You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast with our senior pastor, Earl Glisson. Enjoy the message. So we're going to talk about love today. In fact, I was already, long before this election <laughs> came about, we were going to talk about love. may talk about love the rest of the year. And um, it's probably going to be good for us to talk about the God kind of love. Amen. So let me start out with Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, and we're going to start out every message with this. <laughs> this is very important. Again, it's amazing how things cycle around, right? It's amazing how things cycle around. All right. And, um, you know, we just got to come back to this. I'm excited that, you know, we've got quite a few people that have been coming to Anchor Faith Church, especially through the pandemic because we never shut down. And, um, you know, because people are looking for things that are bold that are uncompromising, right? Um, they're looking for those who will stand with truth. And so, you know, you need to encourage people to come. Now, on that other side, you're going to have, you know, conflict. <laughs> you understand? You have conflict when you follow truth. Um, but, you know, you just got to stay with God. Anyway, with that being said, I was really encouraged when Pastor Craig Hagan, the last night of the men's conference, you know, I'm the pitch, pinch hitter for uh, Rama right now. My wife and I are. And so uh, Monday, I got a call. <laughs> Somebody couldn't make it, so they asked me to come speak. So we had a great time uh, ministering and, you know, took some staff there. We had a scramble once again, and my staff's like, if they could just give us a little more notice. In fact, one of Pastor Hagen's board members, when we were in the back room, he said, man, you're the pitch hitter. He said, we probably ought to just get you in the lineup. <laughs> uh, I don't care where I'm at. I'm just thankful that God brought my name up. And they allowed us to continue to have influence. But it's because we are uncompromising. But I was so thankful that Pastor Craig Hagen on Friday night got up. He said, we'll never shut down again. He said that. Why? Because what does take place in the earth, you know, no matter what's going on, I don't care. Because, again, you know, here we are in our own nation and, you know, people are freaking out. You know, you don't even know what bad government is. Go to China. Go to Vietnam. I mean, this little bit of persecution is nothing, you know. All right. In the context, we are so in a box because the problem is we just don't leave our nation. That's why missions is very important. Right. We need to recognize that there's a lot going on in a lot of other nations, you know, and and again, it's really easy. I mean, this is so simple for us. We re we should have no emotional stress. Right. The God of this world hates the church. Number one. Number two, he'll always establish things to try to stop the work of the Lord. Always. That's always going to happen, you know. And a lot of things can be said. Bottom line is, if you're not born again, full of the Holy Ghost and power, your agenda always will be something different, period. And I don't care how nice you are. The point is, that shouldn't cause you, cause you stress. You realize that that's there. And you just go ahead and rejoice anyway, because our redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, and he answered and said to them, why do you transgress, uh, yourself transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? Why do you transgress? Isn't that amazing? A little interesting thought here. That here's God's word, but yet it's not being fulfilled because people are transgressing it through a tradition. Through a tradition. Transgress means to violate a command. 
to go contrary. Okay? So when Jesus is saying this, he's talking to religious people. He's saying, you are acting like you're godly, but you're actually in violation of God's word. In essence, he's saying, you are saying God's word that's actually in violation of the word itself. Okay. Amen. You know, uh, I'm having a little challenge here. <laughs> um, I heard a minister tell me this weekend, he says, you know, you, you teach the congregation, you train leaders. And it caught me thinking, am I trying to train the congregation? Am I going too deep? Should I just stay more surface? Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just wait till I get with my ministry coordinators and those that are on staff and try to train them and then just leave this stuff super general. Because honestly, I, I get resistance. I mean, I get resistance. You know, everybody thinks they want to hear truth till it starts coming. <laughs> Teach us, Lord. All right, change this. Uh, I love you. Don't talk to me about that again. <laughs> Amen. You understand the darker it gets, the more obvious light will be. And the more the darkness will hate it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, this word transgress means to go by the side of. It means to overstep, neglect. It means to go past as turn aside from. It means to depart. It means to leave. It means to abandon your trust. That's what it means. So Jesus is talking to people who knew the word, were teachers of the word, and he says, so basically what you're doing is you're communicating to my covenant people a way to live God that's actually against what I'm doing. You're saying phrases, you're using context that is incorrect. Wow. So you understand Jesus, you know, when he's talking, this is why they hated him. You know what I'm saying? It was that group that says, we got to kill this guy. We got to kill this guy, right? <laughs> so if people want to kill you, welcome to Jesus land, right? Uh, you know, if people hate you, welcome to Jesus land. I get it, right? And we're talking about people who should be loving you, okay? So with that being said, uh, I want to encourage you. As we start to take time to go through love, <laughs> what is love? Um, love. Um, see, I'm going to do some stuff, try to keep it light because, man, I got a problem with, with love. I got a problem with the church's definition of love. Got big problems because it doesn't line up. And when I start preaching, geez, I'm telling you right now, people are going to be like, but pastor, I've always heard it that way. Oh, well. Doesn't mean it's right. I mean, again, we're, we're doing the second edition of The Forest. What do I mean, the second edition? And I've kind of went through it again. And we've added a few things, cleaned a few things up, you know, continue trying to perfect it, and that's going to be in print here soon. As we've gone through it, understanding the context of the kingdom is so powerful. 
and it's been lost within the church because they've been, they've been hugging trees for so long that they've defined love in a way that's not even biblical. And people are responding, saying love wins. They don't even know what love is. So you're going to have to get a traditional change as we go through these things. And it won't be today, so you won't hear it at all today. We're going to try to build it so it's a little more palatable, right? You know, I'm going to take it all, throw it in a blender, <laughs> and spoon feed is my goal, right? Uh, but I do believe we can get there. Y'all all right? Yeah. Amen. I mean, I'm really excited today. I would really love for you to be excited with me <laughs> about the word, you know, uh, fake it till you make it kind of stuff. Um, you know, let's go somewhere great. <laughs> Amen. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of tired of a quiet church. You know, because I'm be honest with you, I could go to some churches right now, they'd hoop me down. And I don't understand why I don't get more hooping. I'm just going to be honest with you. This should not be quiet stuff. I mean, my gosh, we ought to be rejoicing. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I envy. I envy. I envy. The riots in Portland, Oregon. Why do I envy them? Because when they took place, they did not stop rioting and hitting the streets passionately for over 100 days. They went out every day. They were more passionate about their cause. And we come here and get quiet. And I'm not even asking you to come every day. I mean, it'd be awesome if I got a call and said, Pastor Earl, people are in the parking lot want you to preach to them tonight. Pastor Earl, people are in the parking lot want you to preach to them today. Pastor Earl, people are in the parking lot want you to preach to them today. And while we're sitting on our hands and then complaining about why the world looks like it does and why people are making decisions and why people are acting like certain things, you know, what we call lawlessness, well, why don't we get excited about God at 8.30 in the morning? I mean, why are we not all running down here worshiping God? Why are we all not like, aren't you glad you came this morning? Don't you know Jesus is on the throne? I mean, why we got to, like, jumpstart stuff? Jeez, man. Hallelujah. I mean, it makes me kind of mad, honestly. I'm like, let me go to another country with somebody that's got a little bit of passion somewhere, man. Can we rise up and wake up? Because we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our king will always be on the throne. He's never lost a battle. Never. 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 Yeah, he's never lost. He ain't moved. He ain't sitting around like, what? He's not like, this is amazing. I can't believe this stuff. That's what y'all are saying. I can't believe this is happening. But Jesus never said that. And if we're only supposed to say what Jesus is saying, why are we saying stuff that Jesus ain't saying? Because Jesus ain't going, I don't understand what's going on down there. <laughs> hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Let's be passionate about God. I mean, we living in the last days, man. We got to stir ourselves up. We got to go to work with a big smile on our face saying, this is the day. I mean, you got to get bold with the word of God where you're at. I mean, it's done with complacency. Why in the world has the devil trained his people better than the church? My gosh, man, let's do something significant. 
Don't talk to me about reserve. All right, y'all can be seated. I appreciate it. That's good. But stand up anytime you want. Run to the altar. I don't care what you do. As long as it's right. In alignment with God. If it's wrong, I'll tell you. Let's be a little, I mean, let's get a little fire in our bones. Let the Word of God motivate us. And I was going to go to hell, man. I was going to be tried before the great tribunal of God, and he was going to find me lacking. He will find me. He will weigh me, try me, found me lacking, wanting, and he was going to send me to an eternal destination of damnation away from him. But God, being rich in his mercy, he raised me up. He died for me. He put a new spirit on the inside of me. How could I neglect so great a salvation and just sit back and act like, well, you know, at least when I go to heaven one day, the world needs what we have. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 to 27 says this context for God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have rule, let them rule or have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created man out of his substance. So whatever God is, man is. I said whatever God is, man is. All right? So it's very important because this is God's original design. This is how he made us, right? But he tells man, he says, now listen, so you got to keep, there's some context. There's a few things we got to understand about the context of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, okay? And the first context is God wants man to exist because this is how he created him, like himself, like himself, all right? He tells Adam, he says, now you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat, you will surely die. We know that he eats the fruit. And because he eats the fruit, all the church knows, says we're living in the fall. We call it the fall, the fall of man, right? But Genesis 3, 9 is this very same question God is asking humanity still to this day. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? We know that's the great question today. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? So instead of, you know, you know, um, struggling with what you see, you should just go, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And let me tell you, when Adam fell, when he transferred his dominion over to the devil, and he became separated from God. God said, the day you eat, you will surely die. Die means to be separated from God. The spirit of man died. He lost his God-likeness. He lost it. I said he lost it. Because God says, now man's going to reproduce after his own kind. Now the seed of man is corrupt. This is why he says, I'll bring my seed through the woman and I won't use man because he'll always produce 
a species of being that set, will be separated from me, that will separate from me, that will be dead, that will not have me with them. Okay? And God says, I'll bring my own seed through the woman herself, and I'm going to crush the enemy. In essence, I'm going to get back what the devil stole. Now, there's a couple things the devil stole. The first thing the devil stole was man's right to reign. The second thing that the devil did not steal, but man lost besides dominion, was his God-likeness. He lost his God-likeness. Now, here's the thing. The devil did not get Adam's God-likeness in the context that he's now in the image of God. Satan didn't turn into the image of God. So he didn't get his God-likeness. Now, could he operate as a ruler? Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He operates under that rulership that he got from Adam. Because remember, in the Luke account of the temptation, he says, all these domains, this dominion, these kingdoms, I'll give you, for they've been handed over to me. Okay, but what he can't give out, Satan can't give out, is life. Only God can do that. I said only God can do that. All right. So God has to send a man like him. And we call him who? What's his name? Okay, but man lost his image of God. He lost it. So what did he lose when he lost his image? Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. This is really significant. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who, lo- who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When man ate the fruit, not only did he transfer his rulership to the devil, but he personally lost the image of God. When he lost God's image in his life, he lost love. He lost it. I don't care if man says, I love you. Without God, you don't have it. Love does not exist in this world. The world cannot produce what it does not have, even if it says it. Can't do it because God is love. And if you do not have God, then you do not have love. Even if you say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Love would do this and love would do that. And let me tell you what love would do because the world always tells the church how it's supposed to love. How can the world tell me how to love when the world does not have God? Can't do it. Cannot do it. Yet, we are taking cues. The church is taking cues from the world on what love looks like. Wow. 
because the world tells us love has to be seen like this and seen like that, and this lets us know you actually have love. We just go ahead and buy in to everyone's personal definitions because the more they say it's that way, then it must be that way. Must be that way. But God is love. So when Adam ate the fruit, he died. And love left him. Let me tell you, love left him. Death showed up. The image of the new dad showed up pretty quick that in the next, the children who came immediately, one murdered the other brother. You don't think Cain told Abel at times he loved him? death produced the first murderer recorded physical murderer you understand wow cause love left man I said love left man love left man in it abiding in him love left now that doesn't mean God isn't love and that doesn't mean love isn't trying didn't make a way Let's go on. It goes on and says, By this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he, what? Loved us and sent his son to be a perpetuation, to be the perpetuation for our sins. I drove by a church in Tulsa had rainbows in its little uh, video display and talked about love. Now, I knew what its rainbow was talking about. Well, that's not defined in the Word. There are behaviors and actions that Jesus said will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you can live any way you want to down here. Because the king will let you. <clears throat> but you're not going to go to him and say, you have got to let me be with you forever because this is really what love should have been. So again, you're not arguing with me when the Bible clearly defines what love is. You're arguing with God. God loves anyone in sin, meaning he does not love their sin, but he's made a way for them to get out. That's love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, made a way of escape for us, gave us the opportunity to come out. He expressed love by saying, what you're doing is punishable for death for our eternity, but I'm giving you a way out. Now, if you get up there and didn't take his way, that's not his fault. And love did not abandon you. Love did not help you. Love did not care for you. Love did not make provision for you. You rejected 
love. Hallelujah. Amen. You can, ex you can, you can be around a person, but never accept their sin. But the problem is, we are now identifying people with sin. We identify people with the works of the devil. What do I mean by that? Well, I have cancer. Well, the cancer's of the devil. You can be the righteousness of God in Christ. Let love come. Let the healing power of God's love come. But why? I, I'm a diabetic. That's identity. I'm, um, you know, ADD. And I got this. This was good. I'll probably preach this probably on a Wednesday night one day. ADD. You know what ADD really is? It's anti anti-discerning disciples. A lot of anti-discerning disciples out there. They got ADD. They're anti-discerning disciples. They cannot discern truth from an error. I'm glad Pastor Marsh is preaching on lies, lies, and more lies. <laughs> Amen? Because <laughs> truth is here. And it's not information. It's someone. Hallelujah. All right, let's go on so we can finish. Uh, John 3.16, right? John 3.16. And um, Chase, wherever you're at, take note of how I'm fixing to preach this because we may need to break it up for the next service. Um, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Now, who loved the world? <laughs> okay, I mean, I won't say anymore. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let me read 1 John 4 again real quick. we we'll remind you, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. By this, the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a perpetuation for our sins. For God so loved the world, so what motivated him? Who he is, his nature. I love you so much that I have to be in the gap because I, my, because I am love, I cannot accept you. Okay, I'm going to say this again. For God so loved the world because the world was separated from God, he could not accept them. So he had to make a way for them to be changed. Okay. 
Okay, I'm going to go. Let me see. If love is just about accepting us, then there's no reason for Jesus. Because if love is accepting you as you are, just come as you are, then there's no reason for Jesus to die. You hear what I'm saying? No, you don't. So I'm going to say it again. Because people, they get all jacked up with that statement. Like, well, wait a minute now. You're telling us we have, you can't change. You do come to the cross as you are with this acknowledgement. I deserve to die as I am. As I am, I should die and be eternally separated from God. So I throw myself down at the cross because that's judgment. And I acknowledge my need to be delivered because as I am is filthy rags. It is unacceptable to the creator of heaven and earth the existence that I'm in. And so I throw myself on the mercy seat and ask for the blood of Jesus who is able to take that person thrown down at the cross and cause that man to die and then be raised up just like Jesus was raised on the third day and I become a new creature. Now that new creature is accepted because it ain't the old one. It ain't the same person. It ain't the same person. It's a totally new species of being. But then something awesome happens. The Holy Ghost gets on the inside of you and he's the third person of the Godhead and the love of God comes back in. Woo! My gosh, man. And let me tell you, the Holy Ghost knows how to tell you what love is and what is not love. But without a renewed mind, you'll continue to accept what the world says love is. Now, brother, you can come to church. We won't condemn you. You're right. I won't condemn you either. Let's keep reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And we all rejoice. So we all of a sudden immediately believe that if we're going to be loved like God, then we can't judge nothing. But let's read the next verse. He who believes in him is not. Now, who's not judged? The one who believes. What's the implication? Well, we don't have to, we don't have to even do an implication because the next part of the sentence tells us. He who does not believe has been. 
don't judge me. I don't have to. You've already been. Now, don't judge me for my lifestyle. I don't have to. It already has been. You coming in in your own guilt. You showing up with your own shame. You're coming in your own condemnation. I didn't do that. Because you not believing in him, that's the environment. That's the atmosphere. That's what you live under. The church didn't put that on you. You live in it. You live under it. But Jesus Christ made a way for you to get out of it. Because he loves you. Because as long as you do and behave and act in the way man lives without God, then that's the atmosphere you carry with you. And the church didn't do that. Well, you know, I went to Anchor Faith Church, but I just felt so condemned. You were condemned when you walked through the door then. And I was trying to give you a way out. But you didn't want to listen because you won't love your way. Okay, let's go on. He said, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Now look at verse 19. You got to get this now. This is the judgment. I mean, I love how we just stop. Everybody wants to just stop. Now, God loves you. Just come as you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Now, it doesn't matter what you've done if you'll die to that. Doesn't matter what you've done, but you got to die to it. Got to die to it. He said, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. Now we get another description of God because God is love, but the love of God is a light carrier. So when love came down, light showed up. Now look what happens when light comes into the world. And men, what did they do? Love the darkness rather than the light. Oh, Hallelujah. I just heard the Holy Ghost say, and the church wants to love like the world, but its love loves darkness. Yeah. Notice what they do. The men, what? Not liked. Not were infatuated. Not were lusting. Loved. And when something happens in the world, the world's going to tell us how we're supposed to respond and then shame us if we don't respond the way. Why do they love the darkness rather than the light? For their, their what? Were evil. The problem is we have ADD, anti-discerning disciples. That someone can get up and talk in any kind of platform at a university, uh, 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 whether it's political, even at the job, anywhere, and begin to say nice words, words of comfort, words that are supposed to help bring us together, words that are supposed to inspire us, 
but yet their deeds I preached lead follower at the men's conference I had many men come up to me after when I drug myself across the stage imitating Jesus talk, carrying his cross and looking back and having no followers they all began to realize I've been going about church the whole the wrong way as a leader. Thinking my significance was how many were following instead of my significance was following him. But it sounds good. Now if you call yourself a leader and you look back and no one's following, then you're just out for a long walk. And we're like, wow, that's so deep. And their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil, what do they do? They do not love it. <laughs> and does not come to the light. Now, notice, light is there. They can see the light. We're like, Lord, let them see the light. And the Lord's like, they do. We get all jacked up and mad. How come they can't see it? How come they can't see it? Who says they can? Maybe they are the ones who hate what they see. Because why? They have fear that their deeds will be exposed. And so they love their life so much that they are willing to redefine love so that they don't have to die at a cross to become somebody entirely different and then they'll shame you for telling them the God kind of love. But I'm telling you right now, if you don't rise up as a church, if we, I'm telling you, it's time to rise. Woo, it's time to rise. It's time to rise. It's time to show kingdom love. This is why, I'm just going to be honest with you, I cannot hardly tolerate you not loving each other. It burns like a fire inside me when somebody gets it off with someone that you know is blood-bought been paid for by the blood, got the power of the Holy Ghost. My gosh, man, I know you failed and you failed and you failed and you failed, but my gosh, God's forgiveness is there and we are commanded to love one another and we got to let that hurt go, let that go and say, I'm just going to apply love now. The world holds grudges. The world holds gossip. The world holds hurts. can't hardly tolerate it. One for the gifts of the fruits of the spirit of mercy and long suffering that come up in me. I almost want to be like, get out. I don't need your contaminated love in here anymore. Love somebody. Love them. Because I was dead. You were dead. You failed as a believer. I failed as a believer. But man, if we've come to one another and say, I'm sorry. I failed. I repent. I'm obligated to say, this is as if it never happened. 
and treat you like it never did. And when the world sees that, they're like, you mean to tell me they did what to you? And you like hanging out with them? Oh, we brothers. We're family. <laughs> the world sure accepts each other way better than the church does. But we have what the world don't have. The love of God. Is this seriously happening right now? <sighs> Hallelujah. So they hate the light. Why? Because their deeds, they're fearful that their deeds will be exposed. Verse 21, but he who practices the truth, there you go, Pastor Marcy, you can use that, comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as being wrought in God. So we've learned today that we are in a world without love because man died, separated from love. But Jesus made a way for us to have the love of God and to be made back in the image of God in Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, we close here. He said, from that time, love began to preach. Can I say that? If God is love, and the Word is God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and His name's Jesus, so we could just as easily say, from that time, love began to preach and say, change your thinking. Side with my party, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In essence, he's saying, you don't know love. You don't know how to operate in it because you don't understand this kingdom is a kingdom of love. I don't understand why believers, believers now, love the fact that God forgave them of all their wrongdoing, but don't aspire to walk in the God kind of love to the brethren. I'm not going to say it. <sighs> Hallelujah. See, when you put on love, you regard no man in the flesh anymore. Say this with me. Say, I will change my thinking and learn and grow and exercise God's kingdom love in these last days. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. 
If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. <laughs>